Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. My name is Mr. Craigers. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And I am Miss Melmoy, the other host. And tonight we're coming at you with episode 62, the concluding chapter in our Ladies Who Crunch Horror Heroine March Madness Woo! Yes, that's right. In honor of Women's History Month and um, sports things, we have undertaken a March Madness tournament of some of the most badass bitches, uh, most of them heroines and one villain, I guess, uh, and pitted them against each other to see who is the most badass. It's the most. It's the most. Uh, in our last episode, we began with our Sweet 16, which we narrowed down almost to an Elite 8. We had seven spots filled. One spot still uh, needs to be filled. Before we proceed, as we whittle down those eight fantastic ladies to one champion. But before we return to the tournament, we've got something very important to talk about. Yes, we do. You guys. I think it's time that we had a talk about us. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> How could I not? How could you not? That's the kind of terrible humor I love here at Splatter Chatter. At Splatter Chatter. Yes, us. We both saw it this weekend. That's right. I am assuming a lot of you guys listening did as well. If you didn't, it, though, skip because spoil. We're gonna just talk about it. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's gonna be straight up spoilers and discussion for the next approximately fifteen minutes. Yeah, we're gonna try and try and keep it to fifteen. Yeah. Um, so skip ahead if you need to. If not, let's dive on in. Um, Initial thoughts. Initial thoughts. It's funny because we walked out of it. Now, I, I, when we went to go see it, a week previous was the first time um, that Charlotte had seen even Get Out. So, oh. you know, very different, obviously. Why so late? I don't know. I asked. I was like, why haven't you seen Why Is she not a horror person? No, it's, well, a little bit. Like, she does, like, she was saying on the way in, she was like, I have to prepare myself for this being, like, a, a scary movie. I forgot that it's going to be, like, a, a thing. <laughs> um, she's not, I mean, she's a little, not super into horror, but she's not, like, some of our friends who can't even do a child's ride. Um, um, even though that friend also saw it this weekend. <laughs> okay. Um, but point is, so we went in and we went out and we were like, wow, like there was a lot to digest. And I feel like there was a lot of layers and it comes at you so fast throughout the movie that you're like, and it's probably my own thing too, where it's like, I'm trying to constantly dissect films throughout and especially horror. And especially if it's Jordan Peele, somebody who I know like meticulously has thought out every single thing that happens in the movie. I'm like, what is Jordan Peele thinking? What did, what should I? So my initial, initial reaction was like, oh, okay, I need to sit with this for a minute. But after going back home, reading some hot takes, and doing some research even, because I realized once I um, found out that that, um, that hands joining thing was actually a really big like cultural touchstone for people and like what it meant to like Gen Xers and stuff, like it really yeah. like made a lot of what happens in the movie make sense, yeah. I think. Um, I kept thinking of, <laughs> do you remember that American Dad episode where Roger has like the max... He's Max Jets. He's like the old rich man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and he's dating the bimbo waitress and he like makes her a music studio and she's like singing her stupid little song and then at the end she's like hands across america bitches yes i kept thinking like hearing that joke like all throughout the movie <laughs> <Hands> across america <laughs> but yeah so like i did one of the review pieces um pointed out specifically they're like for those of you who don't know this is a also a place to date you know where the <clears throat> beginning of the movie takes place but they're also like okay lupita nyong'o's character based on this is the same age as jordan peele's character um so it's something that jordan peele would have himself like grown up seeing and knowing because i guess basically what ends up happening is the hands across america like meant to you know be a chain of people you know doing their thing but because of the topography of the united states that was not possible but people did it anyway in various states it was supposed to raise 50 million for homelessness like as a minimum they were like 50 to 100 million for homelessness hunger and various like basically things for people living below the poverty line um it raised 30 million and only 15 million of that I went to actual charity because the rest had to offset the cost of the charity. So it ended up becoming this thing where people associated hands across America with like showy acts of charity and like half-assed intentions and basically a symbol for like how much like people in like privileged and upper classes and even just middle class like just care when it's, you know, big and trendy, kind of like a Live Aid or We Are the World type thing because the guy who did we are the world did this mm-hmm. so that's you look good but yeah did you really accomplish all that much yeah so once you like take that into account and look at a lot of the movie it like really colors a lot of it in a way that like because obviously the shallow not shallow but like the surface level reading is like yes it is like literally the other half how the other half lives rising up Mm-hmm. Um, at, you know, there, cause the thing is, is the Wilsons, it's not about, you know, I think a lot of people went into this movie thinking it was going to be another movie about race, but it's not like the Wilsons are a privileged family. Like they've got a house in Santa Cruz and they buy that stupid boat and he right. talks about, yeah, that's their summer house. Yeah. That's their summer house. And they're comparing, he's comparing his car to his friends and like doing a keeping up with the Joneses and stuff. So it's like very much like just anyone in this situation who is privileged, um, gets basically attacked by their, their doppelganger who is who's been abandoned by society and the government, essentially. Um, There's that. And then they also pointed out, if you want to look at it for a more kind of like microscopic level, it's about, you know, buried trauma that everyone has. Because while Lupita is the character we're with the most and we know what her buried trauma is, you know, like there are hints about each character like looking, you know, themselves and their doppelgangers in the face and it's like well what does that represent for you in this character like what does that represent for this character and what sort of buried thing you know is that to you know is that mirroring so there's a lot of there's a lot to pick apart once I like sat with it and was like wow like okay yeah um and the the I realized too like throughout like there were definite there were hints I picked up on about the twist at the end like, there are hints throughout, but there were some things that I didn't realize until later that I was like, oh, right, that actually makes this thing make sense. I called the twist within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And if if, if I had kind of one gripe or one critique, I, I would be like, I felt like you wanted me to be shocked by things that weren't shocking. Yeah. And I guess this is coming across as, like, kind of a humble brag, but... <laughs> No, it was like, it was very much a Sixth Sense situation where something happened, they cut away, and you're like, well, obviously, 
Because that happened, and I say that, I bring that up because A, The Sixth Sense was on Jordan Peele's list of movies, which we can get into in a second. His that list he of, asked them to watch. His know? list of films. But also when I watched The Sixth Sense for the first time, I was watching it with my mom. And the second, you know, Bruce Willis gets shot and it cuts away to six months later, I turned to my mom and was like, he's dead, isn't he? And she was mad because she was like, well, there goes the whole fucking movie. Right. And because like, at the time, like... That was considered like the greatest cinematic twist ever. Yeah, you know, so like when some for for you to call it like that, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're such savvy consumers of story now, just because of the age in which we live and that we're able to consume story yeah. so rapidly. Um, that well, I didn't feel that the twist was that well concealed. No, and it's like, I understand the point of the twist, but I feel like it would have been stronger if they hadn't tried to hide it so much. Like, hadn't pretended, yeah. like, the audience wasn't going to immediately pick up on it. I think I was like, did this need to be a twist? What if it was, like, a halfway reveal? Like, yeah. And then, and then I thought, oh, how cool would the movie have been, you know, after that point? Yeah. Well, but, and, like, I don't know how much the twist... Not that, not that it really lessened the movie a huge degree for me. I'm just saying I... When it got to that point and the music was all dramatic and it was clearly meant to be this moment where we're gasping a la saw or something, I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and it, the thing is, it's like, I don't think it took away, but I also don't think the twist really added anything besides the shock yeah. factor. Um, yeah. I do think it, you know, obviously was the vehicle for the rest of the story because as we learn, like, there's no way this could have happened unless it was original Adelaide who had, like, the mental capacity to, you know, you know, create this uprising and stuff and and all that stuff. I will say, though, the freaking fight scene at the end, like, as soon as it started, I was like, oh, man, Jordan Beale, just black swan, black swan. Yeah, that was was a good fight scene. Yeah, that was incredible. That was very well choreographed. That was um, worth the price of admission itself. Just show me I that know. over and over oh, again. Oh, I just, Lapita Nyong'o was out. Standing. If she does not get, I'm going to call right now, if she does not get noms across the board, I'm going to be very angry. From start to finish, she slayed it. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun to read different analyses of her performance um, over the weekend. Uh, but yeah, um... It's so interesting, and I feel like I'm still reflecting on it a lot and still um, trying to solve maybe certain certain parts of it that yeah. I, I still think there's a lot of depth to. And that's probably why we're not doing a full episode on it, because the recency is still too much for us to... Yeah, no, and that was the thing, is walking out of the theater, I was like, okay, before I form an opinion on this, I need to think. Which is why the first thing I texted Craig after I walked out, I was like, there's a lot going on in us. Yeah. Um, But no, like, I just think it was, it was also just, like, really, and like, looking back, like, it was an enjoyable ride. When you're like, you go through, you're like, okay, it's a home invasion movie. Okay, it's an end of the world movie. Okay, it's a psychological sci-fi thriller like you know it's so many things at at once yeah he was very good at that and like i feel uh i'm glad that he not that this didn't happen in get out but i'm glad that he went balls to the walls with like 
heavy horror elements. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I know that he was upset when after Get Out was so successful and after it was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars and people were like, well, it's, it's not it's not really a horror movie. And he's like, yeah, it is. It's very, it's very horrifying to me. He's, yeah, it is. I made a horror movie. And people were like, no, you didn't. And he was like, okay, well, next time I'm going to make a, like a fucking horror movie and you're not going to be up. There's no, like, he didn't want to give well, and that's what I said. Say, you didn't make a horror movie. Yeah, because my sister was asking me about it and I was like, it's definitely more traditional horror than Get Out was. Like, it's definitely clearly, and not even that he made a traditional horror film. It's just that he was purposefully trying to evoke different <clears throat> traditional horror elements and yeah. straight up you could see where the illusions come from in different movies and he wasn't trying to hide it he was doing it very much on purpose no yeah yeah so maybe um, we could talk about that a little because he yes, knocked yes a let's great, bring up the list of seven uh, films. many number of horror movies some um more heavy-handed than others and when i say heavy-handed i don't mean that as a bad thing it's the um his illusions and references don't come off as cheeky or hackneyed or anything like that yeah um I'm just saying he's... So I'm going to read off the list of the seven films. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to give a little... Yeah, and then we can give a a bit about them if we want. So he asked the entire cast to watch the same seven films so they would have a, like, shared language of the film that they were trying to make. And they were Dead Again, The Shining, The Babadook, It Follows, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds... Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. And you read that and you're like, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're like, like I, when I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, that's a fucking solid list. Well, because my first thought, too, when they were like, the oh, family, right? I was like, let's do an Us marathon where we watch the seven movies and then culminate with watching Us. Um, Ooh. But, uh, right? Right. I know what we're doing the next weekend. We're together. <laughs> not Game of Thrones related. <laughs> Over the summer. Um, <laughs> yes. So my first thought, too, was when the kid. OK, so when they attack and then they realize it's happening to the, the Elizabeth Mosses. Oh, um, the Elizabeth Mosses. The Elizabeth um, Mosses and Co. And Co. Um Probably look up the characters' names, but I know whatever. the one woman's first name was Kitty, but that's all I know. Point is, when I realized that it was happening to them Johnson's too, Johnsons, the Elizabeth Mosses. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I realized it was also happening to them, I was like, "Oh, they also have a doppelganger." Um, yeah, so. that was and that was kind of wild. I don't think they have a. They don't have a last name. They don't? No, they're just Becca, Lindsay, Kitty, and Josh. Oh, well, all right then. So the Elizabeth Mosses, as I was saying. When it happens to them and they have doppelgangers and all that shit's happening, I realized it was like, oh, it's happening to everyone. I was like, this is the birds. I was like, this is straight up the fucking birds. <laughs> and so Ooh. like when I saw that list, I was like, oh, yes, the birds, good. Um, and that's at the point where I was like, okay, this is, a, this is a, an end of the world movie. Okay, I see that now. Um, yeah that yeah that was like a big shift for me because then i was like oh okay this is happening to everyone which the second i realized it was happening to everyone i was like oh man this is gonna be i'm excited (laughs) it should have to get wild yeah um so yeah no it very much did so yeah like when it was happening to everyone i was i was like when i realized that and i was like okay the birds i was like i'm 
I've shifted the way I'm looking at this film. I've shifted the way I'm receiving this film and my expectations of it. And I think it was kind of like a hereditary thing where I think the marketing yeah. prepped you and you just sort of had to. Yeah, well, it's the major transition from home invasion to, yeah, apocalyptic end of the world. You could even argue creature feature monster movie yeah thing do you have a reaction to any of the other films on the list um i definitely see where he's drawing from all of them when you read them back just now and you mentioned martyrs i was like martyrs was the one i heard about and i was like i knew going in like i had heard there was something about martyrs with because i didn't hear the list until after the movie but i knew martyrs like people were talking about this and martyrs and i was like what is this movie about? <laughs> what? You can't do you can't do murders in an American movie. In an American <laughs> movie with a nice wholesome family. <laughs> yeah, you, you get it. Even though they read, they did an American remake of Martyrs and it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but I like the whole idea of um, uh, a secret organization happening underground where terrible things yeah. are happening. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's very much that feel to things, and you obviously get. Funny games, which becomes the strangers, funny essentially. Games. But you yeah. get the strangers slash funny games feel when they're just standing outside. As soon as he was like, there's a family standing outside. I was like, nope, 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 nope. How well executed is that, like, couple minutes, though? Yeah, where Winston Duke goes outside and gets the bad and then goes back and then he tries to be, like... And I know what he was, like, it's, like, making himself bigger and, like, honestly, like, I think what... You know, I'm saying this as a white person, but what Jordan Peele was trying to channel there was him making himself less of a white privileged seeming person because he yeah. is a privileged man and he is like kind of like in white culture. So at that point he was like, OK, I must make myself this because he comes back out with the bat and he gets like his dialogue and the way he's coded is more. Yes. Sort of that way. Right. I'm, I'm with you. I think. <laughs> And again, as a white person, I'm, I could be wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was supposed to be like, all right, now it's time to get black. Yeah. <laughs> Which I also love that they had the hide a key thing. And he was like, what kind of white person bullshit? White... That's another thing we should we should mention real quick. I don't know where we are in our 15 minutes. But like, this movie was funny. It was funny. <laughs> there were some really good moments. Like even the fights between the people and the doppelgangers was funny. Yeah. Like um Doppelganger Josh and uh Winston Duke in the in the boat. In the boat. Oh my god. And then he finally gets uh Josh's car. Like he's like, We're gonna take Josh's car and he was like, Oh, all right, then let's go. Like he doesn't wanna leave. He's like, We're fine right here and they're like, We can take Josh's car and he was like, Oh yeah, no, we should go. We should go. Um Yeah, no, I I I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of this movie. Um It was good. It was yeah. good. There were um yeah, lots of good, good references and stuff. Or whatever. Um, did you catch at the very beginning after the Hands Across America commercial? There's a VHS copy of Chud. I saw that, <laughs> and everyone like really and focused like, oh! on that. And I, I caught that instantly. And then it was, you know, we had had that opening text about the tunnels and stuff or whatever. And so I was like, well, something's coming up from underground. Yeah, because I was like, like that's how it was going to end right in the beginning. And yeah, I well, in the tunnel thing, when I saw the opening thing about the tunnel, I was like, 
You guys can't see what I just did, I realize now, but I, I tilted my head to one side in, mm -hmm. in, in inquisitively is what it would There's say little, in the closed captions. Face meets um I don't know, the, the Inquisitor face. The Inquisitor face. What Point is, is, is I was like, how is this gonna figure <laughs> <laughs> from what I understand about this film and then I saw Chud and I was like okay and then just this the sequence of her going through the funhouse and then down and down and down and down was nuts that was a good sequence yeah that was a good sequence. and then the uh uh when they play fuck the police when yeah she they play they play uh NWA and while they're beating up the twins <laughs> The fucking twins. Is that, what is it? And it's fuck the police coming straight from the underground. Yeah. <laughs> and like, ah! Y'all, Dre, I got something to say. <laughs> Which I love the kids, like, when he picked up, like, the Geo Rock and he was, like, shrugged. And he was like, I don't know, maybe it'll come. And then he bashes Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> Which I realized, too, I don't, like, really see Elizabeth Moss in her true form until she's playing something psychotic. Like, she was playing that character that was, like, very much, like, the bougie mom. And then when she was playing her doppelganger, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss was very good. She was. Because you don't normally see her in a character role like that. No. So I feel like that was probably a It was nice... nice to see her. You could tell she was having fun. She was. But no, you know just, who I mean. never, who was having more fun than anyone ever had acting in their life <laughs> was Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> She was having a great time. Nobody had acted and had fun acting before she filmed this movie. She's good. She scared the shit out of me as Red. Yeah, no, she did. Well, in all her Insta, you or don't have an Instagram. You don't have an Instagram, but she has been putting up pictures, like, constantly of her, like, taking a nice, normal Lupita picture and then taking, like, a, a red a face picture. Version. Yeah, like, you just slide through the carousel and then it's weird. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And she's been going to premieres and stuff with, like, weird eye. Like, she puts in contacts and stuff. She is my hero. Yeah, so she definitely was having... And I think it was fun for her because she's been in so much sci-fi fantasy stuff that I think it was a nice change for her yeah. to be like let me my one character is domestic mom and then my other character is kind of like this deranged horror stock type character yeah so she really was able to yeah no if she does not get she, nods for this i'm gonna be mad i'm gonna be Sorry, real mad. if she does not get nods for this i'm gonna be real mad i know she deserves it she deserves it well we'll see i mean Things are changing, and obviously... Yeah, get out. One best screenplay. Get, get out, you know, and here's the second go around. This is not a sophomore slump for Jordan Peele by any means. No, and if you want to even say, like, yes, like, to you it is, you know, you liked it less than Get Out, that's way different than saying, oh, this was, like, a much weaker film than Get Out, because it's yeah. not. It's, it's just, just a, a very different It's film. just a very different film. Like, he was making a statement with Get Out. With this, he was saying, I'm going to make some fucking entertaining horror yeah. For y'all. And y'all are gonna take it. And I said, ooh, give it to me. Yeah. So. We were hype about it. Is the And if you want a further discussion where we, we go on, then I will, we will be glad to do so. Maybe we go through the, the list of seven and pick out where in the film we see their influence. I don't know. That could be fun. I was seeing It Follows in there, too, and I was saying that, too. When we got, I was like, yeah, I could feel that It Follows, like, especially just yeah. at, at different points. Um, what else was what else was on the list? Uh, the Shine. Well, Dead Again, The Shining, Bob mm. Duke, 
It follows A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Yeah, I see the pieces. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that could be fun. Maybe some more distance. We give it a rewatch, and we could tackle that list. And, well, and Vox also put up their own. Like, they had those, and they had other films you should watch. Like, they had Chud, they had Persona, um, Carnival of Souls. People I under love the... Carnival of Souls. People Under the Stairs. Um, oh, I love People Under the Stairs. They had Mulholland Drive on there, like various things. The Burbs. They were like, here's just various things you should also watch that we took from it as well. Yeah. So It also, um, it has a very similar vibe to a somewhat recent movie called The Invitation. Interesting. That I would recommend if, you, if you've seen us and you like it. The Invitation. You know what I rewatched recently was Event Horizon. <laughs> Just to throw that out there. Yay! I feel I like you could put Event Horizon in the realm of movies that relate to us. Maybe. I love Event Horizon. I love Event Horizon. I love Event Horizon and Pandorum. I think they are two underrated films that have a pretty good. Um, they're just fun. We will definitely cover Event Horizon one day. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> So I, you know, every day I wake up and cry about the lost footage that we're never going to see. I know, that is sad. Yeah. But yeah, that's us. Cool. All right. All right, um, now back to our ladies who crunch because I did not do my bracket at work. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're done talking about us. If you guys don't want sports but want to look at a fun bracket, go look at Gritty's bracket. <laughs> <laughs> One side, colleges, and it's kind of serious. The other side, pure chaos. Chaos. Um, between Murray State and Godzilla, Lady Gaga wins mm-hmm. that bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, there was a sequence called I Like Turtles. I still mm-hmm. like turtles. Save the turtles, drew a little turtle drawing. Uh, crossed out Colgate State and wrote Crest is Better. Floated Duke all the way to the the final four. Like Duke didn't have to get through anything. He just drew an arrow and <laughs> dropped it in. Somehow Drexel, who isn't even in the tournament, ended up in the round of sixteen. <laughs> Sup Kim K is in the top left hand corner. <laughs> so, if you want a fun bracket, go look up Gritty's bracket. But you know, it's an even more cool bracket. Ladies who crunch. Our, our bracket, the ladies who crunch. Now, before we get back into the um, top eight, we, we have to still, decide the eighth spot in the top. We have eight. to decide the eighth spot. If you listened to the last episode, which you should have, go back and listen to episode sixty-one. If you haven't, uh, there was one seed still undetermined. That matchup was between Tree Geldman from Happy Death Day and Jamie Lloyd from Halloween 4 and 5. Now, Miss Bell and I uh, were not able to reach a consensus. I don't even remember who I voted for. You voted for Tree. I voted for Tree, evidently. Miss Mel voted for Jamie. So we put it up to you guys. And as of this recording, our poll on Twitter is also split. 50% of the votes have gone to Tree, 50% to Jamie. So thank you for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We love you guys. But we still have a tie. However, Miss Mel has a proposed solution. I do. So, will, you, 
Will you tell us about it? Well, so I went back and I watched. I was like, you know what? The only way to solve this is to redo my research. And then poked around. Improvise, adapt, overcome. Improvise, adapt, overcome. Um, Then poked around on the internet a little bit and got some people's thoughts. And here's what I came up with. Wait, so you rewatched Happy Death Day and then... Happy Death Day and... Four and five? Four and five. Well, four, but... Four. Four. Yeah. yeah. The essence was there. The essence. Um, And here's what I came up with. Okay. It's 2019. Sure. We're here in 2019. So that's what they tell me. Yes. (laughs) For me, based on just looking at these two things that come from two very different eras... Mm. Um, and knowing that, and then talking about it, because I then was like, oh, right, like, I need to tell everyone to watch Happy Death Day. I forgot that I have to do that. Is that Tree Gelbman, I think, is kind of the the model for which we are going to to look to for our current and future evolving final girls. Interesting. Because basically, she is very much a modern final girl like she does all the things the 80s final girls weren't supposed to do you know she wakes up literally it's she's waking up from a one night stand when she's you know being hunted by this thing you know she drinks she's in a sorority she obviously has sex she's fucking her professor you know she's doing all these things and she goes through this she goes through much like trinity k bonet she goes through a hero's journey um, but she's that still, that, that art go, but she's still allowed to keep these parts of herself, right? Like she still has sex. She still drinks. Like she just, you know, fixes the part of herself that was shitty and you know, she survives at the end. She gets through it. Jamie is <laughs> sort of dying. after dying a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, Jamie is like this sort of version of like what we would seek to protect or, you know, push through a horror film in that way from her time period, from, you know, the 80s, 70s, the 90s, and all that sort of... I think the 90s is kind of when we had the shift um, with Scream for what we kind of started to reimagine as a final girl, but, like, Jamie represents that time period, and Jamie doesn't really have as much agency in her story as Tree does because Jamie's kind of a product of her environment of her situation she's Mm -hmm. kind of you know reacting as best she can as a child um and yeah like the stakes are higher with her and you know her being a final girl in that situation or a screen well not screen but a final girl in that situation is you know like very big because it's like it's a kid like that's insane and it and it and it feeds a lot to Michael and the overall horror of the story, but it doesn't feed a lot to Jamie herself. Mm. Whereas Tree is a very sort of, um, you know, sort of just like closed in universe all on her own. Like what she does obviously, yes, affects the rest of the story, but she's trying to save herself. And she's the only one who can save herself because she's the only one going through this. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's doing it while being just a normal college human being, um, which I think is admirable. So... I'm going to change my vote. I that was a beautiful argument. Yeah. No, I did my I said I was gonna do my homework and my research and I done and did you it. You did. And you I did. did. Yeah. I love that. I there's I have nothing 
Yeah. I just, I just like, I like that. I heart emoji that, whatever it is. Thumbs up on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, I thumbs up that shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also everyone, this is also part of my ploy to get everyone I know to watch Happy Death Day. <laughs> ah, yeah. I still haven't seen Happy Death Day, do you? I'm gonna... That's right. You haven't seen it yet. That's okay. We'll see. Okay. So that solves that matchup. Fantastic. Yeah. Ooh. So we now have our final eight. What is it? Elite eight. Elite eight. Elite eight. So to give everybody a refresher, in case there was a gap between when you listened to the last episode and this episode, here are the Elite Eight horror heroines. Jennifer Check, Jennifer's Body. Nice. Lila Crane, Psycho. Sydney Prescott, Scream. Tree Gelbin, Happy Death Day. Ooh, oh my god. Wait, are they and against each team. other? That's going to be tough. And, no, they're not against each other. <laughs> okay. They're in okay. a random order. That's like you're killing uh, me. Ellen Ripley, Alien. Nancy Thompson, Nightmare on Elm Street. Sarah Connor, Terminator. And Laurie Strode, Halloween. This is a strong group of eight badass bitches, let me tell you. Especially because I know that um, uh, Ripley and Sarah Connor... <laughs> We're going to be here a while. I was wondering if you had forgotten about that. No, I've been thinking about it, and it's been keeping me up at night. <laughs> at night. You guys, in the smell, she's all bloodshot. Her hair's falling out. <sighs> I'm at work, and they're like, what's wrong? I was like, she guys, my bracket's eat. fucking in, yeah. in shambles. There's all kinds of stains on her And they're clothes. like, oh, like, how much money did you lose? I was like, I, what? What? You guys are getting paid for this? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, there's only one way to get over it, and that's to confront. Confront it. To confront it. So, Ms. Mel, just like last time, it's up to you. Should we start with the left or the right bracket? That's my right hand. <laughs> Turn around. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to start over on the right-hand bracket. The first matchup over there is Lila Crane. Versus Tree Gelman. <laughs> Sorry, Tree. I know you had the prolonged, <laughs> prolonged fight against Jamie, but we're bringing you right back in. Okay, let me let me take a breather for a second. I know you just argued hard for Tree. I did. And what's interesting is I feel like you could apply that same argument that we did against Jamie to Lila. You can. I mean, there are parts of Lila that I would say, you know, are important. And obviously someone like Tree wouldn't exist without a character like Lila. But I feel like if we use that argument, we're going to have a very... That's not going to, you know, we have, to, we have to put that argument aside, right? We have to put that argument but, aside. But, to... but, you know, Lila is very much a go-getter, is very much, like, takes the reins, is very much, you know, trying to, to, to figure out, you know, she's Detective Pikachu. Um, and <laughs> side note. They tricked me into wanting to see that movie, and I'm not mad about it. I would go. I'm excited. <laughs> anyway, point Alrighty. is, uh, Lila Crane, you know, is very much like a woman who's got a mission. She's got something to do. And she's trying to, you know, solve the disappearance, the murder of another woman. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. that's big, especially for her time period, is that, you know, what she's doing has nothing to do with a man. It's her trying to, you know, help out another woman. And which what I love important. about Lila... Oh, sorry. No, it's just which is important was the end of that. Yeah. It was my concluding sentence. What a great concluding sentence. A plus. Thank you. Uh, 
But what I love about Lila too, like as you're saying, kind of taking on that investigation, like she doesn't take no for an answer. Like when she's kind of confronted with those walls of like the patriarchy being like, now calm down and are you yeah. sure? She's like, no, I'm fucking sure. Yeah. I know my sister. I know that something bad happened. I know that something bad happened here. I'm going to find out what it was. Yeah. You know, where a lot of other heroines at the time, I think we're still, still struggling to get away from that trap, right? Creatively when we create female characters that don't, or that, that be like, fuck you, dude, yeah. I don't know what's going on. And I'm not going to, yeah, gonna let your shit get in the way of my shit. Of my shit. My shit's important. Yeah. Look at my shit. Look at my shit. Have you seen Spring Breakers? No, but I know the, I know the, the things associated with it. And talking about people getting snubbed, James Franco, we're oddly enough to, as it is to say this was snubbed. He should have been nominated for an Oscar for that movie. <laughs> we were just talking about James Franco this morning because we were talking about the disaster artist and how I didn't see it because I'm not a fan of the Francos. <laughs> I did see it. It was what you expect. Yeah. So. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. So, yes. So speaking of, yeah, a different room. A different room. A different time and place. So yes, taking, maybe it is fortuitous that my big um, monologue about tree comes right after this because I don't think I'd be able to rehash it. But yeah, so taking all I said here and looking at it here. So tree is kind of not all that different if you think about it that way from Lila because she is also doing detective work and trying to save another woman. It's just, it's herself. That's true. You know, like she's trying to save herself, which is kind of, you know, the epitome of a final girl in horror is that you are a survivor. And Rue, Rue, no, Rue died. Tree, I don't know where that came from. That Tree. Was... <laughs> okay, can you hear me all the way over in left field where you just came from? <laughs> Tree. Um, where was I even going to go with that? Tree is very much a survivor. So Tree, obviously, yes. Like, you can make the argument that she dies over and over again, but that's not the point. It's because, no. you know, it's just, it's a reset. It's a reset of everything that she's she's trying to get out of this time loop that she's stuck in. Um, and she and she does it in a way that it's not, you know, like, you know, fists and, and fighting her way through it. It's very much like she looks at her choices each day and is like, okay, this is where I went wrong. Okay, this is where I need to fix this. And it's not even, it doesn't even become... That she's like, yeah, I just, I'm doing this because I want to survive. She's like, okay, I'm doing this because this, okay, I should do this. Like, looking at my life over and over and over again in such a short period of time has shown me that the choices I'm making are stupid. And she makes, you know, the, the conscientious effort to, to fix the things in her life that um, don't even necessarily have to do with the fact that she's dying over and over again. She's just realizing that these are things she has to fix. Um, and this is how she becomes a better person and becomes an adult. Which is that great moment because, like, she thinks this whole – it's like this experience is meant to teach her a lesson, you know, that she's supposed to change all these things that are wrong in her life so that she'll stop dying. And then when she does, she she dies, you know, the loop resets one more time. Yeah. Like, it still doesn't work. And she's like, what the fuck? And it's kind of like – her becoming a better person is really just a byproduct. Yeah. So it lets us see that 
but but she still she still changes the things that she wanted to change because at that point she she wants to do it for her not to yeah. not to break the loop, and so like we get tree get tree as flawed, where Lila is just sort of righteous. Yeah, it's kind of like a she's very much sort of and Colleen's gonna kill me for making this. But it's kind of like Captain America. Like, you've got the Captain America character of Lila, who's this righteous person who's doing something because it's the right thing to do, right? And then you've got this sort of anti-hero sort of... To keep it in the same universe, you know, Tony Stark character, or if you want to go even farther, like a Batman-type character. Like, this person who is a very flawed human being mm -hmm. and, you know, takes those flaws and, you know, looks them in the face and... Decides to become, I guess Iron Man is a better analog here. So takes his flaws, looks him in the face, and decides to become a better person because they just realize with things in their life and the way their life is going, they need to they need to change. And I think personally, that's stronger to me than doing something for the sake of doing something for the because it's what you're expected to do. What you're expected to do, yeah. Friend of the show, Miss Colleen is going to kill you. She is, but she also knows that I have these, these aren't new opinions to her. I just, and you know, it's funny coming from me who says at parties that Superman's my favorite superhero and everyone goes, ugh, and you should. I, I agree with you. And I do that when you do that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and I could dive deeper. Well, I also know why you like Superman. Yeah. Like, you know, it's. Like deep down. Yes. And it's not really, it's. It is what it is. Boom. But my point here is that I find stronger a character who is very flawed and very fucked up and looks at their life and says, I need to change versus a person who, you know, not to say that Lila or Captain America or anyone like that doesn't have flaws, but they're doing what they're doing and they're making these moralistic choices because they know they're the right thing to do. And that's not a hard choice for them. Like for someone like Tree, this was very fucking difficult. As yeah. you can see, because we watched two hours of her doing it over and over and over again. So. Not to mention the sequel. Yes. Oh, yeah. I need to see it. There are different... Well, <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we ready to vote? Yes. I don't remember who voted first last time. Does it super matter to you? It does Which not. Which one of us should start? Okay, I can start. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in a place right now where I am looking my own flaws dead in the face and having to deal with that. So I relate to tree a lot harder. I'm voting for tree. I too. I'm voting for tree. All right. Go team. Go team. <laughs> Who would have thought tree would have been like the banner waiver. Of this? Right? <laughs> Should we put her in here? I know. And it's so interesting because we couldn't agree the first time. Like, I, you know, we were, we were divided. Yeah, no, and it was literally me going back and looking at Tree through this lens of... And I'm so glad you that. did. Yeah. That's such a beautiful argument. Yeah. Um, so, yes, cue exit music for Lila Crane. Thank you very much. Sorry. This does not discount your contributions to horror at all, but it is just not your time, my dear. It's just not Sashay <laughs> away. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to hop back over to the left bracket where we meet up with Jennifer Check facing off against Sydney Prescott. This, <clears throat> this is interesting. This is interesting. This is an interesting ma ma matchup. It could be a mess if Jennifer had her way. <laughs> it could be. So 
Jennifer. Let's rehash Jennifer, right? So Jennifer is this sort of stock popular girl who happens to have a friend who's like the nerdy. Like they try to disguise Amanda Seyfried as this nerdy character mm-hmm. um, who has something very hapless happen to her. And as a result, kind of takes revenge, right? Um, hers is a, is, a, is a revenge story. Sydney Prescott is the girl next door, another kind of stock character with kind of like, you know, emotionally dark past with her family who finds herself hunted by um, a serial killer mm-hmm. who wears a costume and then finds how deeply embedded it is in her, her own family history. Um, but this should be her sort of lot in life. <clears throat> this is very interesting because I feel like both characters are reacting to an intense evil mm-hmm. force upon them. Yes. In very different ways. By men. By men. By the patriarchy. By white, straight men. Want to phrase that. White, straight men. Who are the worst. Yes. White, straight men who are listening to our show right now. Not talking about you. We're talking about you collectively. Don't freak out. (laughs) Not all men are ghost babes. Well, some are. (laughs) There's that. Um, So this is, I'm like, hmm. It's yeah. almost not fair, but we can't, we, we're, we can't, we're, we've created this. We did this to ourselves. Yeah, we did this to ourselves. We made this bed, we got to lay in it. That's right. Um, so, yeah. So, my, here's my, my thing. Uh, here, okay, okay. Is. Go. I know you go. Well, do you have a thing, too? It's a, it's a minor thing. Yours is probably more important. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but okay. Um... <sighs> I'm going to make, and I might even like disprove this as I talk, but I'm going to make the argument that Jennifer is a sort of not, I don't want to say one trick pony, but Mm. she's got her thing and she does it and it's not sustainable. And she does it until she gets destroyed. She gets killed because it's not a sustainable. What do they call that until the point of? Uh, yeah, the thing the Joker was talking about was, with yeah. a movable object, unstoppable force, unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Yeah. Um, point is, is she does it to the point where it's not sustainable anymore, and she gets destroyed. She gets killed um, because what she's doing. While you know, you might look at it and look at it righteously, or look at it like, yes, like you should be doing that. Like you should, you should take this revenge. And I feel you know, vindicated for you and all this stuff. Like, you know, that's not a sustainable way to go about to live your business. Sydney, you, you burn bright. Yeah. You bur- yeah. That's it. Right. Jennifer burns bright for a second. gets knocked down. Whereas Sydney is kind of the eternal flame. Yeah. Sydney. And they make that point in scream four. They're like, Oh man, like I bet she has a ton of scars and like, you know, all this stuff. And like at the end, you know, when she, she, kills what's her nuts emma roberts and she's like first rule of uh remakes don't fuck with the originals and she like kind of makes her mark and saying hi i'm sydney prescott i'm still here mm-hmm. i will still be here um and i think that's a stronger statement because yes sydney you can also make the argument that sydney's thing is like oh sydney the survivor like her one trick wonder is being a survivor but also she made it through four movies 
in various ways. Like she's been shot, she's been stabbed, she's been thrown out windows, she's been, you know, in car accidents. Like she's dealt with, with vengeful, terrible, toxic boyfriends. She's dealt, dealt with, you know, creepy, you know, in disguise college friend. She's dealt with, you know, the, 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 the creepy mastermind half brother. Yeah. She's go mom. Yeah. Cousins. Yeah. Like she's done it all and she's been through it and she's like, you know, fuck this and is unfazed or is a little bit phased, but gets through it. And yeah, and I think Scream 3 is like the biggest example of where it kind of took its toll on her because she basically became a woods person for a little bit. And she had her, it out, doesn't she, she had her security systems, Karen. Um, Lori Strove would be proud Yeah, Sydney Prescott in Scream 3. Yes. Um, so I would argue that Sydney Prescott has, you know, while her and Jennifer kind of have a similar situation and a similar thing they're fighting against, Sydney's way of doing it while not as bombastic or maybe badass, obviously, as Jennifer's, is more sustainable and more lasting. Yeah. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to vote. Yeah, I think it is. You're up first. I vote Sydney Prescott. I was already crossing out Jennifer's <laughs> The tribe has spoken. <laughs> The tribe has spoken. Thank you, Jennifer. But it's time for you to go. Sydney now advances to the final four. All right. Now, you've heard us say that a lot of these matchups have been really tough. Oh, no. Am I emotionally ready? From here on out, from this point into the final four and, and into the championship, it is going to be like banging our heads against the wall. I think we go back over to the right bracket. It's not the one that's been keeping you up, but it's going to be equally difficult. Mm -hmm. It's Lori Strode versus Nancy Thompson. Mm. Okay. Okay. See what you're, see what you're doing. And that's how it shook out. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's still because the lower half of the bracket when it was set up were like all of these classic final girls. Like we had Sally and Jess from so, Black Christmas and Lori and Nancy. So it was like, so before we move forward, hitting them against each other. I have a question before I start to think about this. Okay. Lori Strode. Lori Strode. Are we taking into consideration a Halloween H2O B 2018's Halloween? I think every incarnation of Lori. Okay, that's fine. I just, I just don't think it's fair. No, it's no. We can't. Yeah, we can't handicap her though. Because like we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. No, it's true. We have to. We have. I mean, like with Sydney, we weren't looking at Sydney at just screen. We looked at her at all four. No, and that's true. And the thing is, is like, and it might even be, you know, indicative of of Lori's a little bit strength here is that there are many incarnations of Lori yeah. and there are many facets to consider and they all, you know, go back to the same Lori Strode. That's like it's true. not like they're different characters. So That's, yeah. Yeah. But it's I t- it gives a slight unfair advantage since Nancy has only existed in one timeline. Multiple- That's her own damn vault. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple although I guess, although I guess technically Nancy exists in two because New Nightmare. Oh um, is- yeah, I guess this is true. 
you could argue. It's its own thing in the Nightmare franchise. Yeah. So Nancy is in the first one, becomes the third one. becomes a sort of spirit guide mentor <laughs> in the third one. To the Dream Warriors. To the Dream Warriors. Appears in New Nightmare, which is a wild movie, if none of you have seen it. Um, I love it. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, and even then you could be like, well, it's not Nancy. It's Heather Loggenkamp as Heather And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, listen. For the purposes of our bracket, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to consider it Nancy. Because if you watch New Nightmare, Heather has to become Nancy. So it's the essence of Nancy. Yeah. It's what Heather represents. Um, yes, so that is my initial thing, right? Is like, okay, looking at this as Laurie Strode with a, you know, capital everything. Yeah. Um, across things. Like, we see her as the quiet babysitter next door. We see her as the victim, the survivor, sort of what Sydney Prescott becomes in Scream. We see her as the mother and the mm-hmm. maternal figure. We see her in that in a couple iterations. We see her as the the doomsday preparer in in 2018's Halloween, which I should really rewatch. I haven't watched it in a while, and I feel like I want to rewatch it. Um, so we see all these facets of this person who is the same character, and all these ways that one person can react and paths a person can take from this traumatic incident. Which, if you go back to it, just at its core, a crazy person murders a lot of people on Halloween night for no discernible reason, and like that's the starting point for Laurie. Mm -hmm. right is that that's what she knows and then you have these sort of branches off of how this person can become can take on different paths but ultimately still be the same person right she's still the same babysitter in every single um universe she's the same babysitter who survived that halloween night right um yeah that's the thing no matter every time it's changed or retconned or rebooted the original is always kept as the starting point yeah so it's like, here's all these versions of what a person, of what this person can become based on it. And she fills them crazily, you know, right? Like she becomes, you know, the victim who's the, you know, the obsessed, the the object of obsession for the serial killer in the second one. She becomes, or not the second, well, well the second one, jump, skipping oh, yeah. the third one. Because, um, you know, Night of the Witch, Season of the Witch, whatever the fuck it's called. I hate it. Um, yeah, right. um, you know, jumping ahead to, you know, so Halloween, 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 my fair lady. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, like she becomes yeah, no, yeah, no. a maternal figure. Like she does that thing. She does that in Halloween H2O as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get into Halloween 2018 where she's, you know, got a stockpile of guns and, like, a crazy booby-trapped home-alone house. And, you know, is you haven't have a security system, Karen. You know, and you can see all these paths this person takes. And at the, ultimately what you can see is that this is still the same person taking the same path, right? Because ultimately when you get to Halloween 2018, you know, you get original Lori. You get Lori who, even if she has not been victimized by Michael the same way she was in the second one, in her mind she is. And in her brain she's thinking, yes, he's going to break out and come for me. You get maternal Lori because she does have a child and she has a grandchild. And you get, you know, doomsday preparer Lori because that's kind of what she is in Halloween 2018. So I feel like if you look at Halloween 2018, that's culmination of every single incarnation you could have of Lori Strode. 
And she still walks out at the end after lighting Michael Myers on fire. And blowing up her house. And blowing up her house. Stacked out. Remember when Mira like brutally murdered Jojen and then blew him up? Yeah. I still think about that and how unnecessary it was. So unnecessary. Anyway. There were some unresolved issues between <laughs> There's some stuff I think she should explore when all this is said and done and she gets into therapy. Assuming she survives. Assuming there's therapy and she survives. Because she left. Didn't she leave? She went back to... Yeah. I assume Rainbow she'll Cross. be back. I assume she's I going she... back. With Howland. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> do you guys think she'll be back? What do you guys think? Get out of us. Miss will tell you how. Don't... <laughs> um, to counter, though. Yes. Well, not to counter. Counter, not, no. Not, counter me. Get not at to me. Because, like, I agree with everything you're saying. But, like, another point. Right, but another point, and to devil's advocate, everything. So, if we t- we look at Lori, and yes, you know, she comes out the hero every time, except for Halloween Resurrection, which doesn't really count. I, you noticed I willfully ignored. Her. Um, you know. Uh, but even in H2O and in 2018, she's this recluse, right? She's shut herself away from the world. 2018, a bit more extreme, you know, H2O, she's a principal, she is kind of still part of a society, even if it's a cloistered mm-hmm. sheltered one, and she doesn't, in both instances, she doesn't confront the past and sort of move on until she's forced to. If we look at Nancy, Nancy sort of become Nancy becomes the active mentor, yes. you know? And yeah. Dream Warriors. She's like, I... Oh, believe me. I viscerally I'm remember. So, of course, of course. You know, she's like, I'm I'm traumatized for sure at what happened to me and what I went through, but I'm not going to let it stop me. In fact, I'm going to help other people deal with similar trauma. Oh, it turns out they're dealing with the same trauma. I'm going to get them through this. It's very admirable. She confronts her demons head on. Lori confronts them only when she is forced to. This is true. Lori is very reactionary. And even when she's in the most recent iteration of Halloween 18, she is waiting for something to happen. She's just waiting. And look how much she sacrificed mm-hmm. just at the possibility that Michael would get out one day. Yeah. Which you know, she, her relationship with her family is totally fucked up and fractured and she's missed out on so much. And I, I look at Nancy and it's almost like she's like, that's not the person I want to be. Yeah. It's like Nancy, like, watched the timeline of Laurie Strode and was like, nah. Yeah. So she's like, nah, not for me, man. Mm, that's a that's a good point. And I think it's it's worth noting that Nancy, like, is the big example or possibly the only example off the top of my head of a character like that who becomes a mentor to, like, the next... Because, you know, you, you think maybe, like, that's what's going to happen in Scream 4, you know, with Sydney passing it off to Emma Robert Thompson? Roberts. <laughs> I might have said Thompson earlier. I apologize if I did. Uh, Emma Roberts, um, you know, but, you know, ultimately they switch a rue it, and they're like, no, it's still Sydney. Um, but it's like, you know, Nancy, I think, is the only example of a time when you've got this seasoned sort of person who's like, I went through this. You're going through this. It sucks. I'm going to help you figure it out. Um, yeah. And, you know, sacrifices herself um, to try and, you know, help these these people go through it and very much takes someone who honestly, to me, is objectively scarier than Michael Myers. Mm. Assuming in a world where, obviously, Michael Myers is somebody who could really exist in our world. Let's assume for a second something like Freddy Krueger could also exist. To me, 
that's terrifying and scarier like that. And I also am a little bit biased, but you know, no. Yeah. I mean, he, Freddie can get you anywhere. Yeah. You have to be in Michael's vicinity first. Yeah. You have to physically be within arm reach of Michael Myers. Um, Freddie, like you fall asleep in your toast. Sometimes even if you don't fall asleep and depending on which movie you're in. As we see, as we see in the first one, where Nancy makes a proactive plan to bring him into the real world yeah. to confront him, not the best choice, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, you do make a really good point. Is that Na- Nancy is a very proactive, and she's not that different of a character from Laurie starting out either. It's not even yeah. like you can argue that she was a different person. Like they're very similar characters um, when they start out their their little um, disasters. <laughs> it's Um, a disaster it's a disaster so yeah no you do make a really good point there um and you know nancy you could also even argue that nancy you know stays true right like nancy laurie you know evolves to a certain point and then we switch to different timelines and we look at you know what she could become whereas nancy is always nancy yeah and it's just the choices Nancy's making. Whereas Lori, we're like, well, what if she made this choice? What if she made that choice? What if this were true and this weren't true? Like you have to change environmental factors to get a different view on Lori. But Nancy is narratively steadfast. Yeah. And is, you know, it becomes a, a sort of protector, a hero, a leader, even amongst, even in the first one, when she's, you know, like she's telling Johnny Depp and all the other kids, like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to handle this. Yeah. So. But. <laughs> but then. Uh, I mean, this might not be the strongest counterpoint in the world, but I really like that just because of the way things happen to go in each franchise that we get um, the Halloween two version of Lori mm-hmm. uh, with her at the hospital where she's at her most low and most vulnerable from what happened in the first one. She, it is fresh trauma. It's the same night. Yeah. He shows up again and she's still able to survive the night and get back. Mm-hmm. And I love that version of her and sort of the metaphorical reading we might be able to take from that that even in the midst of trauma you still survive i don't know that that's a fair counterpoint to make because nancy's never presented with a scenario like that in which it's a point worth adding to laurie's character though right is that she's not just based on scream two and scream one you know she's not this hapless kid dealing with this thing like she does have survival instincts yeah yeah so Sorry, I'm chuckling because you said scream instead of Halloween. I, I said what I said. <laughs> I said what I said. And what I said was. <laughs> what happened was. Um, yeah. This is, it's tough. This is, I mean, I said from here on out it was going to be tough, but we can't dawdle forever or we'll never have a winner. So I think we have to vote. Mm, okay. Oh, fuck, I'm voting first, aren't I? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. I can go if you want, if you want to think. No, it's okay. (laughs) 
He's rubbing his hands together. No, I should go first. That's not fair. I'm going first. You just let me know when you want me to go. I I didn't think this would ever happen. I'm voting for Nancy. I was voting for Nancy too. No, wow. Who would have thought Lori would get knocked down in the... I, I, when we came up with this idea, I was like, well, this will be fun, but Lori will win. Yeah. Or Lori will at least be in the final. We'll be in the finals. Yeah. Wow. Ah. Look How at that. that, kids. Weird Sunday. What a weird... This is like uh, some sports upset reference that I can't make. Uh... I don't know. I can't think of a word. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Wow. That wow. was tough. But I know there's a tougher one coming up. That was really tough. So, yes, as hard as it is, we have to say goodbye to Lori. Nancy moves on to the final four, and we hop over to the left bracket once again for the final Elite Eight matchup. This is the one Miss Mel has been dreading. Here we go. Ripley versus Sarah Connor. Okay. So here's my initial thought. And I think this is a thought that I made when we first introduced Sarah Connor. <clears throat> is that a lot of Sarah Connor as a character hinges upon her relationship to her son, right? She mm -hmm. herself is not important. It's that she is going to have a son and that's who's important. Yeah. <clears throat> that being said, the counterpoint in my own head <laughs> even is that, you know, she does not let that bother her because, you know, her son is the embodiment of the survival of humanity, right? Like, she's right. trying to save the world by, by staying alive for the sake of her son and then protecting her son. Oh, because, yeah, because she, like, raised him his entire life to be like, you need to know how to do weapons, how to do machinery, how to do medicine because you are going to be the thing. Like, you have to do this because you are meant to, you know be the reason humanity survives like you, this is what it is and this is how it is like she's not she doesn't you know hinge on anything she's just like you know she gets she gets through it like there's a period of like what the fuck in the first movie but she gets through it and she's like okay and by judgment day she's like all right this is what it is this is how we're tackling it and you know even after you know things happen john gets taken away from her john comes back you know she learns that a terminator can be good and all these things like she keeps like rolling with the punches of like, you know, I gotta, I gotta protect humanity. I gotta protect humanity. But also it is maternal. Like she does also very much want to protect her son. Like it is not just like, you know, that she looks at him as the macro idea of the future of humanity, but also like, this is my son and I want him safe. Um, so I think there's a lot of facets there. That being said, I think she lacks some of the nuances of other survival characters where her her idea of survival is entirely physical. And I think that comes up in Judgment Day when she goes to try and blow up What's-His-Face. And John tries to talk her out of it and then stops her from doing it. And then that's the kind of the moment that he becomes John Connor, the leader, is by talking her out of her very base survival instincts. Um, and I think maybe if she has some great flaw, it's that she thinks of her survival and her kind of purpose as a character and as a person as in you know how many pull-ups can she do how many guns can she reload in a single minute you know how many grenades can she put together and I think that does in a little bit of a sense kind of become her character is this woman who's just you know in a muscle shirt with ammo slapped to her back ready to yeah to get at it 
But I, I could say this to that. Does she have a choice? This is true because the entire point of the Terminator series is predetermination in that no matter what you do, things are going to happen how they're going to happen and you have to play the role you're going to play. Right. I mean, she, I'm sure she would have preferred to find a white sand beach in Mexico <laughs> and some margarita mix and a pool boy that would bring her grilled cheese, but she knows what's at stake. Yeah. So that's not an option. Which is admirable for her who is, I think, supposed to be like 19, being like, okay, the fate of the world is literally on my shoulders and in my uterus. Um... And making that choice. And making that choice. Or not making that choice. Just or deciding that she doesn't have a choice and has to do what she has to do. Meanwhile, Ripley. Meanwhile, <laughs> Ripley. Who I also think, though, especially as the Alien series goes on, you know, it, it, does, it also becomes larger for Ripley as well. Of course, the immediate concern is... Base survival, mm-hmm. you know, trying to outwit, outsmart, and outlast the xenomorph. But there is the threat of of the alien getting out, right? Of them yeah. bringing it somewhere where it can have hosts and reproduce en masse and threaten humanity, right? We know that the Wayland yutani company wants to weaponize it. She's like, fuck that. That's not going to work. So mm-hmm. the like, larger things are at stake as well for her sort of umbrellaed with the, uh, well, I, I have to also just make sure that I survive in order to make sure that everybody else survives too. So she's taking on quite a weight as well. Um, and also not really by choice. You know, it's just the, the situation she finds herself in from the moment things go bad on the Nostromo mm-hmm. all the way through until she dies. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's a here's a thought is that um Ripley is very isolated. Mm-hmm. And is very much by herself. Sarah has for the most part a network. A support network. She has Reese. Uh she then has John and the Terminator. Um and then she has, I didn't really watch Sarah Connor Chronicles, but she, I assume she, there's a Terminator I know in there that's helpful to them. So I know she has <laughs> those <that>. buddies. <laughs> like she's got, she's got an ensemble, right? She's got a support network that can, that can help her out. Whereas Ripley's, you know, the lone survivor of a massacre in space and has to kind of go off on her own, right? To deal with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And space itself is very isolating. Yeah. Um, and you could even make, this might be even a stretch, but you could always make the argument because of the isolation of space, you know, Ripley's not in immediate contact with what she is trying to protect all the time, right? Whereas Sarah has these big montage moments where she imagines nuclear holocaust because she can see a playground and she, you know, has contact with other human beings. So that makes what she's doing a little bit easier because she can see the consequences right in front of her face. Ripley's kind of working on, you know, a much more distant... She's more distantly emotional. She's she's by herself um, physically and emotionally and mentally a lot of the time and has to, to get through what she's getting through. I also think that... Which I think is harder. 
No, it is for 100%. Yeah. Like Space Madness is a thing. Yeah. And the thing is, too, is like as far as the physical threat goes, like the Terminator is such a physical threat that I feel like it's almost like I can't even like fathom it. Like to me, the idea of having to take on a xenomorph, like that's something that kind of animal creature alien thing is something I can I can relate to a little bit better than like the idea of just taking on this superhuman robot. Right. Mm. And even, like, the T-1000, like, that it can, like, morph and blend into other things. Like, there becomes a certain point when it's like, yes, the physical threat of that thing is ridiculous and scary, but it's also so much that I can't really empathize with it because I would never have to deal with that. You know, not that I would have to deal with the xenomorph either, but, you know, you could deal with things that are xenomorph-like. Right. Because, yeah, because the xenomorph is, like, the ultimate apex predator, right? Yeah. And there, there are real apex predators in the world that you could find yourself hunting against or yeah. hunting and being hunted by or encountering or something like that. And that just personally scares me more. Yeah. And, um, how it changes and how it's insidious, you know, like the, the whole process of the face hugger and then the chest burster, yeah. and, you know, that it's the idea of being infected. And... Yeah. And space itself is scary and isolating and vast, you know, yeah. like, you know, AI, something, you know, we're going to deal with. We're going to deal with it, I'm sure, one day. Or it's going to deal with us. Or it's going to deal with us. Um, you know, and I think the idea of a Terminator and doing that would be scary to me if it was more human. Like, the Terminators yeah. aren't. They're very obviously not human. They're just yeah. physically made to look human so they can walk and do their thing that they need to do. Not The Xenomorph looks human, but it looks like something I recognize. And it behaves like something I recognize. Um, and I think that makes it scarier. And also, it's in space. And Inherently think, terrifying. Right. And I think... I feel like we kind of see this in the Terminator films as well. Like, the Terminators more or less have a one-track mind. Mm -hmm. Right? And because they're machines. They're robots. That's kind of the whole point. We Like, it's they're kill machines. And they're just going to power through and hunt you down until they kill you. It's not to say that that's not what the Xenomorph's purpose is, but it's clever. It's adaptable. Mm -hmm. It's smart. We see it trick them and deceive them and hide and do all kinds of, and disguise itself and do all kinds of other nefarious things, which I feel like makes that an enemy harder to outsmart. Yeah. But not before adding in its intense physical prowess and its savagery. And... Yeah, because right, cause the ultimate thing behind the Terminator is inhuman. You know, it's Skynet. And it's doing, Skynet is doing what it thinks, you know, it should be doing and what passes for human. And you watch the Terminators, like, have these sort of, like, go through the algorithms of how they should respond to questions and that sort of thing. And that, t to me, takes away some of their scariness because they're not so recognizable. Um, at that point, it becomes, like, very much this thing that, like, yeah, physically, yeah, for sure, is is dangerous. But to me, that doesn't feel dangerous to me in life now. <clears throat> Whereas Xenomorph, like, it's ridiculous. But, yeah, it could crawl into my house, maybe, and yeah. eat my face and then put an egg in me. And then I could, you know, have that whole thing happen. Like, for some reason, and the some reason being that it just is more natural and more based in reality... You know, is that I just that scares me more. So Ripley having to go through that and having yeah. to go through that for the most part alone and repeatedly to me is a lot bigger than Sarah Connor, 
who faces this completely like almost comic book level villainy and and her response to it is to take on the very physical um you know balls to the wall guns blazing attitude because you know her enemy is physical she's like i'm going to physically fight every robot <laughs> and that's and that's what it is and what she does yeah and she has to be talked out of it by John eventually, who tells her, no, that's not the way we're going to do this. No, and John's no. the one who, you know, ends up leading the, the people and understanding that there's a better way to handle um, Skynet. So, you know, but it's like Sarah is the, the version of what he shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and again, to go back to it, like what she's doing is not sustainable. Like she's, she ends up getting killed. She dies eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not, she's very similar to Lori in a way. Yeah. Uh, 2018 Lori. Yeah. Yeah. What she's doing is not going to end in a way that ends in her either surviving physically or emotionally. One or emotionally. I think I made well, my choice. Okay. You vote first. I vote for Ripley. Me too. Yay. Yay. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think it's because it I prepped myself for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as bad. We had time to prepare. Yeah. All right. So that leaves us with the final four badass ladies who crunch. What? 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 You so, won't do it. <laughs> what? You won't do it. Do it. Um, but we are going to do it, guys. We're going to do it right here, right now. Take a little break if you need to. A pee break, a music break, <laughs> a go to lunch, and then we're going to tackle the final four. Just a reminder, the final four are uh, Ellen Ripley, Sidney Prescott, Tree Geldman, and Nancy Thompson. Okay. And the first matchup in the quarterfinals is Sidney Prescott versus Tree Geldman. Oh, oh, this is so tough because they're so similar in different eras. Oh, this is a big... I know. Because if we're looking at your argument from when we kind of started out the episode, uh, if Tree Geldman is the final girl of now and our model moving forward, th that was Sydney in the 90s. And, like, if Tree owes DNA to any of the older icons on this list, Sydney is Yeah, no, like, Sydney um, yeah, Sydney it, is the tree of the nineties, right? Yeah. Or tree is the Sydney of the the twenty tens, like however you want to look at it. Um and that's gonna what's gonna make this difficult. But we decided we were going to take that out of it, right? Like we can't use the right. fact that Sydney came first against Tree. So let's look yeah, at them. That's true. And we've been doing pretty good about not focusing too too much on era. Yeah. That these women came from yeah so yes we've made i think at this point we've made a lot of arguments for them separately against each other though what is different so sydney is very much girl next door like she's a virgin when she starts out that's a that's a plot point that she won't sleep with her boyfriend even though he keeps trying to get her to sleep with him and the, the thing here, though, is that it's not really even looked at as, as virtuous because it's a plot point. It's a integrated plot point later, right? Because he's trying to get her right. to sleep with him so that he can be like, okay, like, I can kill you now because he doesn't do right. this. Um, and she wins. She ends it's up like, killing him. Okay, how about all those times you attacked her before you guys slept together? Yeah. Was it always just going to let her go? Whatever. Yeah. 
But she ends up killing him. They sleep together. He's like, okay, you can die now. She ends up killing him and his accomplice while donning his persona. She wears the ghost face mask for a minute and ends up killing him, um, which I think is very powerful. The fact that he used her sexuality, he used the idea of a woman being promiscuous against her. Her response is to murder him using his own sort of visage, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Self-visage. <laughs> Um, hey. which is, you know, very similar to what Tree is doing, where it's like she is constantly waking up in situations that would have got her killed in 80s horror films mm -hmm. um, and responding to them. And in her own way, donning, you know, the face of, of what this, this thing that is trying to kill her, this ultimate idea of, you know, these are the reasons we need to kill women in horror films and just kind of taking them as badges of honor, switching what needs to be switched and then... And Shree also dispatches her assailant. Yeah. Yeah, they both uh, survive. Her roommate, she, at the end, yeah. fight, out the window. Out the window. <sighs> so, I, and we've made the argument for, <sighs> but even if you make the argument so, that Sydney has survived again and again, so has Tree. <laughs> so has Tree. Tree just gets it all out of the way. In, in a her, day. Yeah, unless her, in a, unless her number of films, I should say. Um, uh, and okay, so we've got Sydney and, and we see her and she comes to eventually embrace sort of all of these things that Shree starts out already incorporating into her life, mm -hmm. you know, sex, alcohol, what have you. So they both are, they both end up in the same place, sort of. Like, I feel like they would really gel. Like, they would get each other very yeah, well. They'd be like, yeah, they'd be like, forever to meet. But just because of what they've gone through, yeah. go different, we're still somehow so similar. And I think it results in them ending up as very similar types of people. It's tough because Sydney is having a physical battle, whereas Tree is, I think, having a more kind of metaphorical battle against the same things that Sydney is fighting against. Like they're both uber feminist um, horror characters, and yeah. it's tough because they are uber feminist in almost the same exact way. <laughs> I know it's insane. Uh, I mean, they're both physically injured on a number of occasions. <laughs> they both eat cereal for she breakfast. She like, <laughs> bears the wounds and the scars, because she, you know, she feels like if she dies, if she keeps dying, it will eventually yeah. be the end. <sighs> so here's, okay, so here's an argument. They're both able to outsmart. Here's an argument, right, based on what you said, is that... I don't even know what I'm saying. I can't decide. Well, here's know. here's a thought. Here's a thought, right? Thought. Is that... So, Sydney, you know, going what she's going through, dealing with what she's dealing with, for sure. You know, Tree has an out. You said, you know, if she keeps dying, one day she will just die. And she can choose to just let that be the final one. But she chooses not to. She's like, no, I fucking changed my life. I changed myself. I'm going to keep doing this and figure out what the fuck is going on. And makes the choice to keep going. Might die in the end anyway, but makes the choice to say, you know, like, no. Like, I went through some shit. 
emotionally, physically, mentally, mm-hmm. ecumenically. Ecumenically. <laughs> um, and I gotta, I gotta see it through. At the very least, like she's gonna go out fighting. Sydney obviously very much does that too, but she doesn't have the same out that that Tree has because she's got the survival instincts, right? Like it's very yeah. much something is attacking, fight or flight response, yeah. over and over and over again. And she's, you know, she's gotten more used to it and she's kind of made it a part of her life, but she doesn't have the same sort of psychological just torture, I think, that Tree goes through where it's like, you know, this thing is happening over and over again. And she could just be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna, this is it, you know, and just let it happen and let that be the end of it. Um, That's true. And I think that that shows a lot of resilience. Mm-hmm. on on Tree's part for sure is going through because you could argue that she went through more in a shorter period because she keeps going through so many days at once same day the same day right, right, right. you know like yeah, she wakes up she dies again she wakes up she goes a little she dies again you know like it's a lot of time compressed into a very little amount of time yeah yeah there's a lot we can't ignore in that decision to of Tree, like, you know, she's pretty sure if she keeps dying, that will be it. And to, and to say, no, I'm going to try and figure this out and solve it and unmask the killer and do whatever I need to do. Like, I don't know if I died 11 times if I would have that resolve. Yeah, like, if you would just be like, you know what, like- <laughs> you know, induces and get out of it. Like, Sydney, yes, could at any point. She could also, you know, do whatever. She could step in front of a car, step off a bus. Like, she has the same. But that's, like, a choice that, obviously, every single person has every day of their life. Like, Tree is in a very specific type of situation and a very specific type of torture. And she overcomes it. And, again, I mean, obviously, Sydney has growth. Sydney, you know, gets older, becomes a different kind of person. But Tree makes the choice to become that different person. And I think that just really sets her apart in any matchup is the fact that she is a horror character, a horror woman, who is like, no, like, I'm going to fix my... I made some messed up mistakes. Separate from the fact that I keep dying and coming back to life and dying again, I made some fuck-ups. And I should, I should, now that I am forced to reevaluate them every day, I should make the choice to, to do something about it. You know, because she is inherently a more flawed character than Sydney is at the beginning. Like, Sydney is very much a nice, wholesome person who doesn't really have very discernible flaws. Like her one flaw might be, you know, she's a little self-involved with herself, but aren't all teenagers, right? Right. Like Tree is superficial. She's kind of mean. She's susceptible to peer pressure. She's, She's involved with a married man and knows it. You know, she's got a lot of deep seated flaws that she, she, chooses to overcome when she could just choose to lay over and let it be she's like no i don't know if i'm gonna survive the next day but i'm gonna give it a shot and 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 be a better person at least today interesting that we both find them in the states that they are as people because of the deaths of their mothers yes yeah yeah and it's two separate reactions right like sydney's Mm -hmm. very much in her kind of um almost like her mourning period, like that comes up, like, you know, that it's been a year and she's still kind of in an emotional mourning period. She's kind of uh, demur about it. Which I always thought was, I'm like, a year is not that long. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, oh my God, that happened a year ago. Aren't you over it? And she's like, my mom died. I don't know what you want from me. And it wasn't just like, her mom died. Her mom was brutally murdered in their home. 
<laughs> so and she like so, somewhat witnessed it because she was able yeah, she was she, called as a witness to identify the killer yeah, yeah. That's so she cotton yeah um, yeah and not and you know and not to differentiate loss or tragedy or trauma but you know tree's mother dies from a far more common you know set of circumstances you know she gets sick that doesn't lessen the pain, but Sydney's dealing with a very specific kind of trauma. Yeah. Aftermath. <sighs> this is so hard. It is very hard. How long have we been? I've been trying to make sure we give the same amount to everything. It's probably time to vote. I I have a vote if it's time to vote. Okay. It's time to vote. Would you like me to go first? I'm sticking to it, even if it pains me. Um, Once again, this tournament continues to surprise me. I vote for Tree. I also vote for Tree. (laughs) It surprised me because I did not think... I mean, I knew eventually Sydney would probably have to go, but... You know, I think in my the reptile part of my brain... The reptile part of your brain? Is that what you said? The old part. The old part. The deep part. That's oh, a thing. wow. Anyway. Listen. I believe you. It's great. <laughs> I was picturing this as like, oh, like I said before, it's going to be fun, but it's probably, I think I was thinking it would be Lori versus Sydney at the end. I know. I thought, I thought very much it was going to be Lori because I knew I was like, okay, eventually it will not be Sydney because it'll be Lori. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be Lori. I was just like, they're, they're so prototypical. They're so iconic. They're Tree. so beloved. Tree's going into the final. Tree is going into the final. She has made it um, all the way. And God, before we sat down today, we didn't even know if she was going to make it out of the top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, now to find out who is going to face her in the final round, we need to decide the matchup between Ellen Ripley and Nancy Thompson. Ooh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Because they are fighting very, very different threats. Very different. As we mentioned, Alice is the epitome of, um, Alice. Yeah. But Ripley is finding the epitome of that was a, that was a weird flex. Um, <laughs> Ripley is fighting the the epitome of a physical apex predator, and Nancy is literally fighting her own nightmares, her own mind. That's tough. Such it is because it's it's apples to oranges, right? Like what do you assign? And you know, okay, so it's here we go. Opposite of last round where. It was so similar to decide between the two, and now yeah. So here so we go. Different. They but they are also are so Ripley's also doing a mental battle, right? In space, alone, okay. yeah. dealing with this. Nancy's also doing a physical battle because sure, fucking Freddy. Yeah, especially when he, she pulls him into the real world. You could even argue too that Freddy is more of an apex predator than the alien because he's designed to get in your dreams he can he can get you there he can get you in the real world he has a knife for fingers on the one hand sure does you know like you could make that argument too even to me it's and difficult Freddy because is. these are two, my two great fears <laughs> crazy <laughs> aliens and, and freddy krueger um but to me the thing that gets the reaction is always going to be freddy i also have a history with freddy that most people don't have <laughs> 
<laughs> um, as you will, if you go back, you will find the backstory in several episodes, um, my history with Freddy Krueger. But he does. He always scares me. And to That's have someone like Nancy. Our top five horror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to have uh, someone like Freddy and, you know, you, you know, Freddy's there and someone like Nancy who takes him on is like, fuck this guy. You know, I would never be able to fucking do that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as a seven-year-old watching this movie way before I should have. But, you know, like, that's... And she does. But, but, Ripley looks at the xenomorph and is also like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And she kind of starts out a little a little quiet. She's not a super obvious character, I think, at the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, and then you start to realize, okay, she's our she's our our survivor for whatever reason. Right. She senses danger, but she yes, she doesn't. She's not exactly um, vocal or confident enough to actually prevent danger. <laughs> on to the Nostromo and yeah. Yeah. Has to deal with the guilt of what happens as a result of that. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. Okay, so I would throw in there, too, that um, Ripley also, in this particular matchup, Ripley does kind of represent a lot of the Sarah Connor physical yeah. aspects um, that where a lot of her, her, um, her survival is based on her physicality and her physical ability. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, and is still true, like mental and emotional is there because she is isolated. She is in space. She is having to think on her feet, but compared to what Nancy's going through, where it's entirely in her mind, it's her worst fears. It's being trapped in your own dreams. Like hers is a very physical battle for the most part. And Nancy's is a very emotional inner battle that she has to come with. Also, yeah, Ripley, much older than Nancy. So Ripley, sure. Ripley has that advantage. She is, she is physically, chronologically, mentally older. Nancy is 16. Yeah. And makes but the decision to... Yeah. But maybe we take that as a, as a huge nod to Nancy, that she's able to combat the threat as well as she yeah. is at yeah. such a young age. Yeah, like you, you have a teenager taking on an emotional battle. Yeah, and to have that wherewithal to come up with the plan to trap Freddie in the first one. And, you know, even when she is 16, even when she's in the midst of her friends dying um, and to, and when in the midst of no one believing her, you know, that's a different kind of isolation than Ripley goes through with, but it's no less uh, terrifying, I think. Yeah. This is so tough because they are so different. They're age different. Their their so their right. battles are different. Their their support units are different. <sighs> Who would have thought that it would have been done <laughs> still? Yeah. In in this particular. Okay, let's let's think here. Um. Well. Um, ah, no, I was, so I was going to say, okay, so in Aliens, we kind of see Ripley as mother, right? When she takes on the protection of Newt and that adds, uh, tension and stakes and layer and depth for her. Um, and it, it sort of changes the game, but in Dream Warriors, is not Nancy mom to the kids at the hospital? Yeah. You know? 
she takes them under her wing. She mm -hmm. takes it upon herself to protect them from Freddy. So, so here's maybe the difference we'll though, is that she's also kind of teaching them, right? They become her kind of pupils. Whereas I feel like Ripley yeah. is very much just a protective, let me carry you through this kind of That's force. True. Whereas Nancy is like, I'm going to protect you, but I'm also going to teach you how to protect yourself. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, no one really pushes back against Ripley, like, trying to protect Newt. They're just like, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Whereas Nancy has to go up against, like, the other doctors and the staff being like, you're crazy, you're filling their heads with nonsense, like, you're not helping. And Nancy's like, no, I'm the only one who can help them. And so that creates a barrier for her to surpass. Yeah. And Nancy's making this choice to go out and find them, you know, right? Yeah. Like, she yeah. sought these kids out who are, who are going through this and was like, I'm going to help these kids, which is different than how, um, you know, Ripley comes across her charge, as it were. Yeah. It just kind of happens. So Ripley's like, well, yeah, I guess I'll protect her. Yeah. Yeah, Nancy makes a conscious decision to, like, yeah, go school for that kind of, you know, like, she... Yeah. A specific career path where she knows that this is what she can do and she chooses this specific location yeah it goes back to what you said earlier where like she makes the conscious effort to pass on what she you know looking at people who went through what she went through and passing on what she learned and dealing with it not just like on basic survival instincts or training or anything like that it's like i am going to right. do this i am going to help people because this is a threat that will come back and yeah. I'm going, to, I'm going to, to be on the right side of it, if I can. On the other hand, Ripley isn't really given time to breathe between her encounters with the monster the way that Nancy is. Yeah, Nancy. You know? The same way that, that Ripley has age, Nancy has time then to, to mature. Because Ripley is in stasis in between each movie. And every time she's brought out of stasis, there's the alien again. You know, it's the threat is back. Yeah. So in her conscious life, she doesn't... She doesn't really exist outside that... She doesn't get a chance to exist outside of that she threat. She doesn't exist outside of it. Nancy has space to process and deal and eventually reach that point where she makes the conscious decision. I don't know if that's fair or not. But it's a fact. Well, you could argue it both ways, right? Is that Ripley is reacting on instinct because that's all she can do. And yeah. that's her environment. It's not her fault. It's her environment's it's fault. fault. Yeah. Is that she keeps waking up and this keeps being her reality. Whereas Nancy does in her environment and her story have the ability to, you know, is it like, is Nancy what Ripley could be if she was given time to breathe and be not a soldier and, and, and not a warrior? You know, do we falter for that? I don't think so. Yeah. Because again, it's it's their circumstances. That's what it. I mean. Hmm. Yeah. Is it time to vote? I think it is. What to say? I think it is. I think it is. I know how I'm going to vote. Whatever happens, happens. All right. Well, you are, you're up first. I am going to vote for Nancy. I'm going to vote for Nancy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure how we were going to handle that. <laughs> I know. I just, I was, I was like, I was thinking about that, uh, I think in the last round and I was like, what if there's a tie this time? 
what are we gonna do no i i am i am team nancy for this yeah that was when we went into that so many of these when we go into them i feel like i know how i'm gonna vote and it's the exact opposite i totally thought i was gonna vote for ripley and yeah. I did not. No, I expected no. That's the it's it's insane. And the thing is, is going into that Ripley versus Sarah Connor, I thought Sarah Connor was going to have a clear advantage, but yeah, I talked myself out of it. But here we are, guys. Here we are. And Nancy Thompson versus Tree. <laughs> Nancy versus Tree. That's insane. That's insane. That is not at all what I thought the final match. I was. totally thought it was going to be Sydney versus Lori, and then it was going to be Lori. And I was like, ah, oh, we're going to really f- have to find a way to spice that up because I feel like it's going to be expected and obvious. But nope. <laughs> wow. That's nuts. I'm excited. That's, that's nuts. The whole, interestingly, the whole uh, left bracket is now gone. Tree and Nancy were both on the right bracket. Interesting. I don't know if that's how brackets do their thing because I don't, I don't do the, the, sp- I don't know. the I sports. Just, <laughs> how it is for how it went for us. No, but that's the thing, right? I'm like, do people's brackets do that? Is that like a thing they... Well, it can happen. Nice. I think. Unless I, I did the bracket wrong. No, I don't. I literally am saying I don't know brackets. Oh, wait. I think I did do the bracket wrong. No, it's, it's fine. Too We're too late now. It's too late. If you haven't made your bed yet, throw it away. It's too late now. Somebody, my, my friend um, texted me yesterday because I guess they had company coming over to the house and she texted me at like eight in the morning. She's like, we have company coming over. We can't let people know that we sit. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be Sydney versus Ripley and Tree versus Nancy. But I did it wrong. So now it's Tree versus Nancy in the finals. <laughs> it's whatever. It's literally whatever. Um... Wow. Okay. Are we ready? Are we ready to tackle? I think so. I think the championship so. round. I'm scared, but I think we can do it. Okay. Tree Geldman versus Nancy Thompson. We now provide your opening statements. Please approach the bench. Oh, okay. Let me think for a minute. Okay. So at least these are more apples to apples because they're both facing something very psychological because having to repeat your, your Groundhog Day death is very psychological. Yes. And she can't escape it the same way that Nancy can't escape Freddy. Right. Right. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this, this is a little less painful. Um, it's a little and, painful. And they're also in the same genre. They're both from slasher films. They're both from slasher films. Um, They're, but, but it's tough, though, because I feel like Nancy does have a little bit of a character arc where she sort of comes into her own a little bit, um, even in the first film. Yeah. Yeah. But as we've been talking about this whole time, we can't deny how much Tree changes. No, I literally, that is Tree's greatest yeah. attribute is how much she chooses and makes the effort to right. change over and over again, right? Because and to And to finally... You know, at the end, to to change one more. She's time. literally doing Nirvana, like that's to what she's doing. Still change. This movie even... is about Buddhism. Yeah, <laughs> is what I'm learning. But this is the thing too, right? Is that she has to do it, but like she starts in the same spot every time, so she has to constantly redo it. Like it's not even that yeah. she makes the choice to break things off with the professor. She has to make that choice over and over again, every day when it resets. And it's not that she makes the choice to be nicer to the sorority girls uh, who are getting picked on, she makes that choice every single day because it always resets. Every choice she makes 
always resets. So she has to keep it. And I think that's something like, yes, I knew, but I wasn't thinking about until just now. It's like she has to do it over and over and over again. She has to choose to be that person over and over again. Yeah, the loop is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane and nuts. That is nuts. And it's her fucking birthday. Like, let's throw that out there. (laughs) That's a huge bummer. Fucking birthday. It's her fucking birthday and she's getting murdered and has to go through this complete lifetime's worth of of personal change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Across the board, across romantic relationships, across friendships, across familial relationships, Mm -hmm. um, across her schoolwork, across her her reaction to just other people on the campus and how she treats just strangers. Like, she across the board makes a change. Yeah. Over and over again. And then sticks to it. And sticks to it. And sticks to it. To be fair, Nancy isn't really presented with a, a situation in which she's required to change. No. And she doesn't start out as negative as Tree does either. Right. Yeah. And... But she... But Nancy still takes that adaptability... She does what she needs to do to survive in the way that Tree does what she needs to do to break the loop. And while Tree, of course, is facing the trauma, the body trauma of having to die over and over again, you know, and then... Well, there is the one loop where where Carter is killed and she has to reset so that he doesn't die permanently. But Nancy loses people permanently. This is true, right? Like, like if Tree fucks up, she knows for the most part she can try again. Nancy, Nancy's playing without a safety net. Yeah, when Tree's when the loop is broken, when her story is finally able to move on. She comes out of it with all the people she wants to come out of it with. Nancy doesn't. Yeah, no, Nancy is basically loses a lot, loses everything. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, and still chooses to go about and, and, as we've said, help other people, find other people who went through what she went through. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this is wild. <laughs> the chichi hahas let's just throw that in there that might just be helpful <laughs> as like the jeopardy sound as we decide uh, hmm. Hmm, 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 hmm. yeah it's uh, it's tough. It's for sure tough. But if nothing else, this shows us the power of of ladies in horror throughout the years, between the eighties and the now. It does, yeah. Even, I mean, sixties. Uh, we had Lila from Psycho. Yeah. No, that's fun stuff. We had quite the range. Um, I don't know. So here's here's a thought though. Is Nancy exists? She's a product of her time. She's you know very much surrounded by other final girls even if her threat is a little bit more ne- unique than a lot of the other slashers we were dealing with. Yeah. Um, 
And she is surrounded by other girls and other final girls, and she is one of many. Tree is very much a standout in her in her period and even um, compared to like the back then, right? Like you yeah. look at what she came from, you look at where she is now, and she is a standout. Like Tree, even if you look at, you know, um, other, you know, sort of hot takes and things like that, like, you know, people look at Tree and say, like, this is it, this is this is going to be our future over final girl, is a final girl who does all the, the sinful things, who has attitude, who's funny, who we actually like genuinely want to root for, who's up against, who's like literally climbing the most uphill of battles and, and comes out of it by, you know, just looking introspectively at herself and how she relates to her world and, mm-hmm. and fixing things that way. Like, I think that's powerful. Like Nancy, I love Nancy, but Nancy is, you know, bookended by a lot of people like Nancy and Nancy didn't pave the way for other people. Like, Tree is just going to be the future of, of, of Final Girls and characters in horror. This is very true. This is very true. But if we're looking at that, if we're looking at places in history, mm-hmm. does Tree exist without Nancy? No, of course not, right? Like, you know, Tree doesn't exist without Nancy. Nancy doesn't exist without, without Lori. Lori doesn't exist without Lila. You know, like, you know, it is tough that way. But I'm going to look at it as like, okay. Yeah, but that's interesting to bring up sort of Nancy's um, place, right? You know, uh, at the height of the slasher craze, right, in the 80s. You you know, yeah, she emerged as icon, and hopefully this tournament has proven why, but she was surrounded by other icons and other final girls, Mm -hmm. other, you know, Alice and Ginny and Lori and Kirstie and what have you, and Sally. Tree is sort of standing out alone right now. You yeah. know? Even in the entire scope, even if you do take the 80s women into comparison, like, people will look at, like, the idea of an 80s woman, final girl, and kind mm-hmm. of have a sort of, like, you know, a conglomerate idea of what that is based on all these girls, and then there's Tree. Yeah. Like, Tree is just in a different category. She's in the same the same species of, of thing, but she is just a completely different version right. of what they were. Like, if Tree, the exact character that she is, were in an, an 80 slasher movie, if she was in Nightmare on Elm Street, she would die. Mm-hmm. And she would die early. <laughs> yeah, because she'd, like, she'd, she'd start out, she'd honestly probably be that girl in the prologue. Who like, yeah, dies? Be, who dies before the the opening credits? Yeah, she'd be like the bitch friend. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But given time to, but like taking the bitch friend and giving bitch friend the chance to not be the bitch friend. Yeah, and this is what a new get. kind of bitch now. Yeah, yeah, right. There's a there's a different level of bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I am confident in where my brain is right now. Me too. Would you so like me to go first? Yeah, I just... You want to go first? You can go first. I, it doesn't matter to me. because I fucked up the bracket. <laughs> it is me, because I'm the right... But, um, well, we could, we could, we could, in the interest of fairness, we could write it down and then show it to each other. I don't have a... Wait a minute. I have a lightsaber pen, I think. How do I make this lightsaber pen a pen? Oh, it glows, but it doesn't pen. What? Okay. I'm going to get a pen. And I'm going to get a pen. <laughs> and I'm going to write it down. And she's going to write it down. I've written mine down. 
Hopefully you guys have been keeping track. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. In a moment, we're going to let you know how you guys can tell us whether or not you agree. But first, we've got to give you the result, and I think it's here. Well, we'll see. If there's a tie at the championship, we're going to have to get real creative, guys. Real creative. Okay. We shall see. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Cast your vote for the winner. One, two, three. Yay! Hey! <laughs> There's not a tie. It's a tree. It's a tree. I drew a picture of a tree too. Did you see that? You did. That's hysterical. <laughs> oh my God. You have to take a picture of that and put it on. I will. Our... That'll be how we announce the social media. Tree. Who would have thunk it? Woo! No, I do think me going back and watching Happy Death Day and kind of taking it in was, was very fair. helpful. Yeah, yeah, probably that was. But but it it made for such a like I'm very happy with this result. I feel very okay with it and very confident. No, I do, and I I very much I think the amount of times I have rehashed my thoughts about Tree after rewatching it, I think um, makes me confident that if anyone like kind of added me about it, I could very much be like, well, here's why. Yeah. No, Tree is definitely the, the future of horror women and definitely. built upon the history very much of what came yeah. before as we as we learned from this is that Tree would not exist without every other woman basically on this bracket. On this list, yeah. Um, and she basically took the best parts of them and she is now, you know. Right. And has come into her own and, and future horror heroines are going to take parts of tree and i think it's going to be really exciting as we move forward into this crazy fucked up genre that we all love so much yeah so so there you have it guys the winner of the first ever ladies who crunch horror heroine march madness from splatter chatter is Tree Geldman. Woo! I'm excited. Woo! I, I feel good about that. That's not even one of those things Very where I'm like, am it. I sure? Like, no, I feel good about that. I feel good about that. I feel good about that. And of course, we give mad props to our runner-up, Nancy Thompson from Nightmare on Elm Street. That was a really great final matchup. And I am so pleased, as much as I love these other two ladies, that it wasn't Sydney and Lori. Yeah. No, because I feel like that's expected of us. And we even, obviously, as we did, expected Just of each other. Because we're like, yeah, it's obviously going to be Sydney until it's Lori. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and I think that's like just indicative of, of Happy Death Day and, and, and Mr. Kreger's making me watch it. And, you know, like how much of a shock it was to, to have such a refreshing horror film and, and female character on, on the screen. Yeah. And hopefully, if there are those of you listening out there that haven't seen it yet, this will get you to fucking see it. What are you doing? What are you doing? We love you, but what are you doing? Watch this movie. Watch this movie. And now you have to, because it's the Champions movie. And then go watch the sequel. Um, so fantastic. So, guys, if you have thoughts about the Ladies Who Crunch tournament... If you are in complete disagreement about our champion, or even if you're as stoked as we are, yeah, lots of ways you can tell us about that. I'm gonna take a picture of the uh, the picture. Yes, you can though, and I will tell you how you can both a look at the nice picture of my drawing. Woo! 
and tell us that you think we're stupid or you agree with us um, on, first of all, Twitter, main form of communication, at splatterchatter666. Uh, minus all the vowels. If that's too difficult, just search it. We'll pop right up. Uh, you can also email us, splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can tumbler us at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. You can Instagram us at splatterchatter666. You can find Mr. Kreger's blog and, you know, roast him in the comments at splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. And he will let you know how, if you really want to stick it to us and give us a dollar, (laughs) you can do that. Or five. Or ten. Ooh. Ooh. You can do any of those things over at uh, www.patreon.com slash splatterchatter666. There you're going to find our pitch for you guys as to why we would deserve that one, five, or ten dollars. And everything that we would offer you in return for such pledges. I believe if you are a five dollar donor, you become a Freddy. So, um, yeah, honor, honor Nancy as second place and become a Freddy. Give us five dollars a month. Don't worry, we'll give you things too. (laughs) If you you are not in a position to financially donate, that's okay. We'll take your love in the form of ratings and reviews. You can leave those on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Um, Believe all of those take reviews and ratings of some kind. And I believe that's all the formats on which you can find the show. So check it out. Now that's gonna wrap up. Uh, the Ladies Who Crunch Horror Heroine March Madness Tournament. And as we move forward into April, of course, we still want to encourage everybody to watch badass women. In yes. Horror. And uh, watch Loops. Watch Loops. Go watch. watch yeah. Uh, go watch Loops. Who knows if we do this tournament in the future, she might be there. Yeah. Um, watch uh, films, horror films directed by women and produced by women and starring badass women with badass female characters, not just in March, but all year round. Um, We haven't decided what we're doing as we move into April, but it's, as always, going to be wild and crazy and sexy. So be on the lookout. And until we see you guys... Again, uh, we want to remind you always to keep up the creep. And for now, we're going to say au revoir, adios, and das Woo!